0: Hey, I love that. Let's let's walk on a little sunshine today. How's that sound, Stephen Kessler?
1: The lyrics really move me.
0: That's great. So, Hey, um, this is the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. That's where I am on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, I say it's a conservatarian perspective, uh, and we can talk about that at some point. In time We need to jump in here because this is going to go quickly and fasten your seatbelts. Let's talk about North Korea because you said that there's some things under the radar that we need to be aware of. We need to talk about that.
1: Sure. So they're in the, they're in the news right now, and what became kind of apparent to me was uh, there's a headline, North Korea Nuclear, U.S. Intelligent Report Says Regime to Keep Weapons. And what really dawned on me is less that North Korea's got nukes or they're keeping them, and more that I said, oh, I haven't heard from them in a long time. Mm -hmm. And the reason I haven't heard from North Korea in a long time is because of a very classic argument between liberals and conservatives, appeasement and deterrence. Okay. Now, are you familiar with these terms? I am. Sure. So, as I've said every time I've ever spoken about liberals and conservatives, the most important premise in all liberalism is the natural goodness of man, corrupted by society. That we're born benevolent, pure, and naturally good, dot, 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 but we're corrupted by society. The evils in the world come from without via society, and that by tinkering with society, we can eradicate evil. Conservatives believe in an ethical dualism, the angel on this shoulder and the devil on this one, and that the devil, you know, our evil inclination, is in charge of our unruly passions and appetites, which necessitate restraint, For when the restraints on our passions and appetites are removed, they run amok. So the most famous case of appeasement was with this guy, Neville Chamberlain. And I'm sure you're familiar with Neville Chamberlain. So Neville Chamberlain was the prime minister of England in the late 30s. He had a hostile foreign dictator and he kept appeasing him. He kept appealing to this guy's natural goodness. He kept meeting him on his terms, catering to him, cozying up to him. And he wanted this guy to know, like, look, we don't want to fight nobody wants to fight nobody wants to fight right we know that so the guy that he was appeasing did not take his appeasement to be kindness but rather weakness and that man and, and who pray tell was neville chamberlain appeasing hitler hitler adolf you know adolf hitler one of the worst human beings that's ever roamed the earth and hitler did not take chamberlain's appeasement as kindness but rather weakness as weakness correct and then Hitler took, uh, you know, he, he took Poland, and then he waged war on all of planet Earth. And
0: what year was that? Was that like 1938 or 1939? So he invaded Poland, but then, again, didn't Chamberlain uh, do additional p- appeasement, right?
1: Uh, I'm not sure of the entire history of it. Okay. You would have to, um, invasion of Poland, September 1, 1939 to October 6, 1939.
0: Okay, And so basically they go, okay, you can have Poland. Okay, we'll appease you. You can have Poland, but no more, mm-hmm. no more.
1: Sure, and so the reason he kept doing, it, and so that's the the how. How was Hitler able to take Poland? How was Hitler able to continue his war?
0: Because nobody stood in, stood in the line. Mm-hmm. Nobody said no.
1: But it doesn't answer the why. Why did Hitler do what he did? Why was he? You know, why did he engage the Holocaust? Why did he wage war on the world? Well, because he thought he could. Yeah, but it's, it's a simple, simple answer on top of that. Okay, I guess I'm struggling. What is it? Hitler was an evil man. He was an evil, evil, evil man. But
0: and, and liberalism, there is, no, you, there is no evil,
1: right? Correct. There is no evil. There is society. And so the conservatives understood this differently, that Hitler was one evil SOB, that he was one of the most evil human beings that have ever roamed the earth and that and that evil is not introduced from without. But it's
0: within it's within the heart.
1: It is sown into the very fabric of our lives. Okay. It's we cannot eradicate it. And so that's why after World War II, after we beat those Nazi krauts, Kennedy said something very different. John F. Kennedy, may he rest in peace, said the following of our of our you know interactions with the Soviets. We mustn't dare tempt the Soviets with weakness and we therefore adopted a very different policy with them it's called deterrence we hit the gym we built up our muscles we walked around with our shirts off and we let everyone in the world know that if push comes to shove we will fight and we are here and so that's what the this was JFK yeah yeah John F Kennedy liberal Democrat may he rest in peace he understood quite simply that you cannot appease evil that evil is real and that no amount of nice, play, you know, playing nice and cozying can ever eradicate it. And so the reason we haven't heard from the Koreans in a long time...
0: And let's just back up just a little bit, though. So the Soviets decided to challenge him. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And he actually, he said, I'm serious. It was the Bay of Pigs, right?
1: Yeah, we had the Bay of Pigs. You know, we had the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm-hmm. We were on the brink of war. There is no question about it. And, and if he hadn't
0: stood strong...
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if, we, were, if we had looked weak they would have invaded. I mean, there's no questions about it. The The Russians are tough. They are very tough people, and that's why they're still here. Okay. Okay, so so let's go to North Korea then. Sure. And so Obama continually shrunk our military. Obama made a lot – you know, Obama had this fib with um, – what was his name? Uh, ba- Bashar al-Assad in Syria. He said, if you guys use chemical weapons, that's the Red line in line. the sand. Yeah, uh-huh. if you cross that line. We're coming for you. And guess what?
0: He crossed that line.
1: And guess what? Nothing happened. Nothing happened because Obama didn't want to do that. He wanted to appease people. He doesn't want the military to be too strong. They think it sends the wrong message. And then guess what happened in North Korea?
0: It- again, appeasement.
1: Yeah. They smelled weakness. They did not interpret it as kindness. They didn't think it would make the world go round.
0: So we had missiles flying everywhere.
1: Yeah, and we had missiles. We had Rocket Man. I mean,
0: we say we. North Korea was shooting missiles everywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. And then okay. what happened? Trump, Trump was elected. Trump was elected. And what did Donnie say?
0: He said, no, we're not going to do that anymore.
1: If you fat SOBs, you you want to you threaten my country, you want to threaten my neighbors and friends, you better be prepared for a war because we will bomb you back to the Stone Age and they knew he would.
0: Well, yeah, but the media went pretty crazy on that, Stephen Kessler.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> the anti-Trump media, the distrustful media.
0: Okay, now let's stop right there, St- Steve, producer. You just said the anti-Trump media, uh, but but you've just talked about appeasement with the Nazis, the uh, appeasement or, or the stand, the deterrence of JFK, which prevented the the uh, Russians uh, attacking. Correct. And uh, so I kind of have to question that that now we have – a so we have North Korea. They are shooting missiles everywhere under Obama. Trump comes in and says, not under my watch. The media goes crazy. Well, wait a minute. It it looked like if uh, North Korea continued this, this was going to hurt everyday Americans. And Trump comes in and says, no, no, no. I'm taking my job to protect you guys pretty darn seriously. And I just can't quite figure out why the media and the left-wing – you know, radical activists don't like that. Don't they like American people?
1: I actually don't think they do. I mean, I think that's what it really boils down to is I think that the, the Democratic Party has shown continual and habitual contempt for working class Americans. They have shown can just continue and habitual disrespect for people who are not far left liberal elitists.
0: But Stephen, you just talked sure. about JFK. And uh, Steve, producer, we've had Brian Dimitrovic on that wrote the book with Larry Kudlow on JFK and the Reagan Revolution about the economics of the uh, of JFK. And um, JFK clearly cared about the American people. He was standing strong. Uh, Steve, Steve, producer, you seem like you have a comment on that.
1: Well, the, you know, the commentary regard, and we keep pulling JFK back into it, and that's wonderful. I mean, because I really think he was. He was good for the country, but that was 50 years ago. So the, he, this sure. is no
0: longer his party, it, is it?
1: It's apples and oranges.
0: Yeah. No longer. The Democrat Party of JFK uh, no longer exists right now. So, okay, Stephen, take sure. it from there. So
1: uh, Brian Dmitrovic, he's a professor at um, Sam Houston State. He uh, He's an economic historian. Brilliant guy.
0: In fact, that's how we met each other. Yeah,
1: yeah. Brian introduced us. Uh, his book was JFK and the Reagan Revolution, A Secret History of American Prosperity. He's brilliant. He's a great human being. Brian, Brian's awesome. Everybody should check his book out.
0: That's for sure. Uh, but but we're talking about JFK. It was, it was a different Democrat party than what we're seeing now. Yeah. He cared about American people.
1: Yeah, they're moving further and further and further left, and it's getting more and more radical. Um, so basically, Thomas Sowell refers to this, I've mentioned this on the show, as the vision of the anointed, that these people have eaten from the tree of knowledge and... <laughs> aha. They are now in possession of super secret, secret, special knowledge that us idiots lack, and we need to get out of their way. Excuse me, and let them run the country. We need to get out of the way and let them implement their genius plans that we don't have.
0: Wow. Okay, we're going to have to go to break in just a minute. Let's let's wrap this up though regarding North Korea and Trump. I think we've pretty well hit that. But he, but he gets elected. It's only been two years. He gets elected. He says, "Not on my watch." And uh, and the North Koreans thought he was serious. And that's the difference between deterrence and appeasement. Your final thought on this, and then we'll go to a break and then talk about the popular vote and electoral
1: college. So final thought on this. Sure. So human nature is constant. Human nature is not progressing. We in the present are not superior to previous ages. We are the same. And that all of the permanent things of that time, all of the permanent fixtures of our time, they will always come up. And evil is always going to be one of them.
0: So that is one of the things that then, and really the founders believed that, that, uh, each of us, each generation, has to fight these things within ourselves because um, there is good and evil out there, and each generation has to fight that instead of this progressing into uh, being "quote unquote" something better and better. As we progressed into the uh, 20th century, which was uh, there was World War One, World War II, it is clear that uh, we did not progress to be better. In fact, there were more people killed under these socialist communist regimes than had ever been killed in, in the context of human uh, history. So let, let's go to break. Stephen Kessler, fascinating information. Uh, you have your PhD, higher education from University of Rochester. You are an accomplished author. You are published in a number of different places. One of the the number one places is the Vogelin View. That's V-O-E-G-L-I-N view.com. But a great place that people can get all the, that information is your LinkedIn page, which is Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Kessler. Uh, We're going to go to break. Um, There's this, uh, it's, let's see, it is Senate Bill 19042. And just to explain that, here in Colorado, if it is a bill that is being introduced by the Senate, it's going to say Senate Bill or SB, and then it's going to have the year. So in this case, it's Senate Bill 19, and then it's going to have a number. And that is 042. So SB19042, it is this um, this bill that's working its way through the legislature regarding changing uh, basically Colorado from having our electoral votes and saying that all of our electoral votes will go for the national popular vote, which I think really neuters the Electoral College. The Electoral College was something that was very brilliant put into the U.S. Constitution. So we're going to talk about that when we come back with Stephen Kessler. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Hey, uh, Steve, producer, do you remember this song? Do you remember when this came out?
1: 1970, either 70 or 71. 70. Yeah,
0: 70. you and I both can remember that song. You weren't even close to born yet, Stephen Kessler. No, I was not. But do you like that song?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I actually really like the era, too, the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah,
0: okay. So, well, now that we got that out of the way, let's jump into something very serious. Stephen Kessler, we have working its way through the Colorado legislature, Senate Bill 19042, concerning adoption of an agreement among the states to elect the president of the United States by national popular vote. I think this, in effect neuters the Electoral College, which is in the U.S. Constitution. We had posted something about this last week, and I, I had a national popular vote, ended up putting all this information, all this response on on this Facebook um, post that was done. And they're like, no, 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 this doesn't really neuter the, the Electoral College. We still have that. And I, I'm like, wait a minute this really does. And it it basically makes the decision on who's elected to president and puts it in the big population centers in Los Angeles, Chicago, New York. And my gosh, those states have been doing a really fine job with uh, making sure that the everyday individual is thriving and prospering. So I see
1: danger, danger, danger. What's your thoughts? Sure. So my thought is, um, there's a popular phrase called Trump derangement syndrome. And if you're on the internet enough, you'll see it. It's the fact that Trump I don't know what it is about Trump, but he pushes people's buttons.
0: He's pretty good at
1: it. Yeah, I've never seen anyone quite so good at getting under people's skin. I I mean, he he is... He is a genius level provoker. <laughs>
0: well, but the thing about it is, is, is he's provoking the elites. Sure. Because I think he genuinely cares about everyday individuals. And this national popular vote, in essence, takes away the voice of quote unquote the minority. The electoral college was put in the Constitution, in essence, to protect the minority, to protect them from the mob of the majority, where 51% can say, hey, we're going to vote and take all your stuff.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Federalist Number 10 as well as Federalist 51 are two really common ones. But what I want to say is I want to read a quote from the Right Honorable Edmund Burke. Burke was the original conservative, the founder of the movement, and he did not really formally found it like it was a club or anything, but he's the guy. If you really want to know what it means to be a conservative, you just follow up on Edmund Burke's work. And in his most famous book, Reflections on the Revolution in France, written in 1790, he said the following. Wise men will apply their remedies to vices, not to names, to the causes of evil which are permanent, not to the occasional organs by which they act and the transitory modes in which they appear. And what Burke meant was don't enact a permanent, don't enact a permanent solution for a temporary problem. And that's what these people are doing right now. They're trying to fundamentally alter the way we, were, well, you know, the way we elect our presidents and the way our country runs in the short term without recognizing that it could have a very bad long-term consequence. At some point these very rules they're using, they're trying to rig to favor themselves can come back to hurt them.
0: Well, and uh, uh, I, uh, there's so much in in that, but but the fact that it's so unconstitutional. I mean, there's this this whole progressive movement is stomping all over the constitution, but the constitution, the US constitution put in place Uh, a a kind of a social construct between government and the individual that has allowed everyday individuals to thrive and prosper like it's never been seen um, before in human history. I was thinking about Venezuela. I saw a picture the other day of people lined up uh, waiting for food in Venezuela. And 40 years ago, 40, 50 years ago, Venezuela was a thriving country, and wealthy. yeah, and people say it can't happen here. It can happen here if we don't make sure that we take care of the things that has made it uh, possible for everyday individuals to thrive and prosper. It can happen here, and interestingly enough, I think the electoral college is one of those really important constructs. Now, you you've uh, got your PhD in higher education, Stephen. There has been a movement. On college campuses for years to to try to get rid of the electoral college, and I could never quite put my brain around it. Um, But in a way, I almost feel that they've been working on this not just because Trump was been elected, but they've been working on this for a while.
1: Sure. Um, Basically, they get frustrated that people in Montana. Well, they you know the academy they really look down on regular people. They they think the academy. Yeah, you know the university. These people in the ivory tower. I had a college pro- I had a graduate school professor who used to talk about redistributing wealth a lot from big business. And then I would say, "Well, you know, business is really unstable. You know, we always have to pump money into the business. Why not instead of big business, we pump we take it from the most stable profession I can think of, tenured professors."
0: <laughs> Did you get an F in the class?
1: No, but the professor went, "I'll never forget it." She then like a turtle retreating into her shell. She crossed her arms and slouched her posture and went, Oh oh no, well, I don't want that. And then I said, Oh, you know, suddenly now that it's coming out of your pocket, you don't want to redistribute wealth. And she said, no. And then she changed the subject real quickly. Wow. And so the bottom line is that these people tend to have no skin in the game. And when you have no skin in the game, it's no skin off your back. And that, These policies, you know, these far left policies, places like Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, the whole West Coast in these large metropolitan areas, they're going to be able to dominate smaller rural areas. The people of Southern California will be dictating what the people of rural North Dakota are doing with their lives. And that's what it's all about. It's all about telling these people, these, you know, these idiots who are in their way, get is, out it's
0: flyover country
1: sure yeah yeah who
0: there's this huge disdain for mm-hmm, yeah and uh, so what that means is these population centers will then make the decision on how much to take away from the people in flyover counties so that they can continue the policies that they have been um you know putting through in los angeles san francisco chicago and new york and they really really don't work and and uh we don't have a lot of time but new york
1: my you know, home state.
0: Your home state. Uh, it was very tragic that they just passed this abortion bill. Oh. And, and so, and if, if you don't know what happened, and that was just last week in New York, they passed a bill that um, said that there could be late-term abortions, and if the baby was born alive, that the baby could be killed. I mean, and, and then they lit up, was it the Empire State Building?
1: They lit up some large building, maybe the Chrysler Building, something yeah. pink to support this.
0: And so in essence then, I mean, you take this national popular vote and that is going to be taking money. They can vote to take money from the people in flyover county uh, country to actually pay for the stuff the decisions that they're making there, which is totally against federalism.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's like the the entire thrust of federalism.
0: And federalism means that each state basically is more sovereign. Uh, you know what? Stephen Kessler, we're just about out of time. There's so many things I wanted to... So you've got to come back next month, okay?
1: Sure, yeah. There's um, in Russell Kirk's The Roots of American Order, which is a brilliant, brilliant book of his. He talks about federalism, if you want to Google it.
0: Okay, and federalism was really the idea that that states generally were pretty much sovereign. You, You would make... It was an experiment. Each state could generally make their own decisions on how to govern govern themselves as long as it didn't go against the U.S. Constitution. Mm-hmm. And that's why this SB 19042 right here in Colorado is so dangerous. Is because it stomps all over the U.S. Constitution and the Electoral College. So make sure that you go and read it, understand it, and be talking with your friends and family and understand why it is a bad idea. We have to know why we... We believe what we believe, Stephen Kessler, when you're Federalist in studio with us. Federalist
1: 10, Federalist 63, and Federalist 51. I highly recommend those three Federalist Papers.
0: Okay, so that's your homework. And speaking of that, <laughs> I, I forgot to mention it, Vino and Veritas, that uh, I'm partnering with Dr. Tom Cranawitter. We're doing a study of the Federalist Papers. Our first one was just this last Monday night. We're going to be going through the whole thing in 2019. If you want more information, email me, kim at americhicks.com. I love hearing from you. So Uh, Let's uh, finish up the show here. Alexander Hamilton in 1788 said the Republican principle demands that the deliberate sense of the community should govern the conduct of those to whom they entrust the management of their affairs, but it does not require an unqualified compliance to every sudden breeze of passion or to every transient impulse which the people may receive from the arts of men who flatter their prejudices to betray their interests. Kind of made me think of SB19042. So, hey, today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Same time tomorrow. Have a great day.